Well, good morning and uh, welcome. If you're visiting with us here or online, we uh, are glad you're with us. We've got an inordinate number of people online with us this morning, but praise the Lord, this too shall pass. Um, I'm in an awkward position this morning. Uh, This morning's passage is in Matthew 3. We're working our way through the book of Matthew. And Matthew 3 tells a story, a story about uh, a guy named John the Baptist. First time he shows up in this gospel. Um, And he's a prophet. He is a prophet who came preaching repentance in the Judean wilderness and then uh, baptized people in the Jordan. So it's awkward for me because this morning I stand in the shoes of a prophet calling us to repent. I take a little comfort from this because if you go back and you look at the prophets in the Old Testament, it seems like most of them, maybe all of them, just did not want the job. It's like the Lord called them, commanded them, and uh, you know, there's nothing that I would have to say to you from John's words that uh, I don't first have to say to my own heart. So it's, it's just uh, it's interesting. But anyway, we're going to hear John this morning, and he calls us to repent for the kingdom of heaven is, is, is uh, here and to turn from the kingdom of the world to that kingdom. And he calls us to the kingdom because the king has arrived. And that king is going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. First, I want to tell you this little story from the Old Testament. This... Um, this gives us an idea of what John was up against uh, that day. It tells, it tells us a little bit about what he's up against today, right here in this room. Um, it's a story about this thing that goes on in our hearts where we look for a human king. Joel talked about this a couple of weeks ago when he talked about the kingdom and how you know, we, we, uh, we have a hard time with the idea of a king, but we don't have a hard time with the idea of somebody who's going to take care of stuff for us. We look for human people uh, we look for it in culture, we look for it in politics, we look for it even in churches. We just want somebody who's going to be the, the big cheese. Um, we long for a king as long as it isn't God. That's, uh, that's our main deal. We want a king we can see, we can hear here on the earth. Not that we really always want to follow this person, although we often hope that our neighbors will get with the program with respect to things that uh, we don't think they're doing right. Um, But we want somebody we can see because it's easier to identify with and ignore somebody we can see and hear than it is to identify with God or ignore him when he gets right down in our space. Well, the story's from uh, 1 Samuel. Uh, When Samuel got old, all the elders of Israel came to him and said, Look, you and your sons are old. Your sons are, I mean, you're old. Your sons are corrupt. It's time for you to appoint a king to judge us like all the other nations have. We want a king. Samuel didn't like it. He prayed to the Lord, but the Lord told him, Samuel, obey the request of the people. They haven't rejected you. They've rejected me as king. They've been doing that since the day I brought them out of Egypt. Well, there's a lot more about this than we have to say, this, than we have time to say this morning, but this idea of God as king has been, it's always been that way. It's always been so that he's king. As Joel, as I said, you know, the, the, the government of God, Joel mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, is a monarchy. And we, we struggle with that a little bit. 
<laughs> more than a little bit. All the way back to the garden, man, humans have been rejecting the kingship of God and look for another way to our own detriment. Well, praise the Lord, he hasn't given up on his plan. So again, today we're in the third chapter of Matthew, and we'll read through the chapter together. But first, let's pray. Lord, you know that we need your help. We read these ancient stories. They have odd Bible-sounding words like repent and kingdom of heaven and preparing a way for you. Lord, we desperately need to know how to make sense out of this. How does this actually apply to our lives? So I I ask you, Lord, to help me by your spirit to communicate something that is on your heart that matters to you, that matters to us, should matter to us, and help us all to hear what you're speaking to us, Lord. Amen. If you could put up the first slide, Lindsay, that'd be great. So we're going to read through Matthew 3. Um... I'm mostly in the ESV, if you want to follow along. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this John is he who has spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Locusts are these little bugs. Um, and they're also, they could, they could be these bugs, and they can also be these things that come off a particular kind of tree. But anyway, it wasn't exactly steak and eggs. Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around the Jordan went out to him. This was a, was a big deal going on. They went out to him and they were baptized in the river, confessing their sins. One day when Jesus saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, who were the principal religious leaders of the day, coming out to the baptism, he said, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? If you want to repent, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And don't presume to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with uncomfortable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. And John wanted to prevent him. He said, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? And Jesus answered, let it be so for now. For in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And so John consented. And when Jesus was baptized, when he came out of the water, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove, and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, and I'm very pleased with him. There's a lot in there. There's some different sections. We'll just come back and refer to them a little bit as I go forward. 
Uh, first, I'll just say a little bit about John the Baptist. He had a relatively short ministry. You can read about his miraculous birth in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, you can also read later in the Gospel accounts about his, his um, death as a martyr. And, uh, but as far as we know, well, we don't, if he ever wrote anything down, we don't have it. None of the things in the Bible that are called John are written by John the Baptist. Uh, it's thought he was probably related to Jesus in some way. He was a really interesting and strange, maybe even weird kind of a person. If you met him, this is not somebody who sort of fits into the crowd in a, in a way. But it might be helpful, it's helpful to me anyway, to sort of try to understand John um, if I see him as the last Old Testament prophet, the last of these people, these men called by God to prepare the way of the Lord, to point us to the coming Messiah. Like all the other Old Testament prophets, he still has a word for us today. What he has to say to them is applicable to us. Everything that was written by the prophets was written to point us to the coming Messiah, the King the, the Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. And particularly, we are looking at Jesus as king. Well, when, God, when John preaches repentance, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What, what does that mean? What, what does he mean by repentance? It's easy, I think, sometimes to think about repentance as shorthand for stop your sinning. Just be good. And there, that's an aspect of repentance, to, to, to cease from sinning and to turn to God. But it's a, that's a limited view. Our primary sin against God is one of rebellion. As I said, all the way back to the garden, we've been rejecting him as king. To repent, in John's view, is more than just be good. It's to change our focus, our allegiance. It is to turn. The word repent means to turn. It's to renounce our commitment to our own self-rule. It's to give up our so-called individual rights. It's to recognize our utter dependence on God and his rightful and sole claim to all of our worship. That is repentance. A second slide there, Lynn. So when God, when John says repent, he is calling us to turn from our current self-centered earthbound life, to turn from our sin, to turn from our dependence on religion and credentials, to turn from uh, away from the kingdom of the world and receive the kingdom of heaven, to receive it. It is here. It's a gift and it's drawn near to give our allegiance to Jesus, the rightful king of the earth. He means make a decision, make a decision to seek the kingdom of God. Believe that he is enough and rely on him to supply what we need. Those are huge. Those are big, ginormous asks. They are for me. I, I, don't, I don't know that, you know, I, I don't wake up in the morning just automatically thinking, God's enough, he'll supply everything in the day. I get up in the morning thinking, I got to go take care of business. And, but that's what John is calling us to. His message is that there's something bigger and better than my temporal earthbound life. Something that we were actually made for, which is the kingdom of heaven. And it is coming and it is here. Well, how did John know that the kingdom had showed up? What made him think? Now you can say, well, God told him he's a prophet. Fair enough. He knew because the king had arrived. 
When the king shows up, the kingdom comes with him. Emmanuel, God with us, was on the scene. So prepare a way for him. Make a straight path in your heart and in your life for this one who has arrived. He had some very stern and special words for the religious leaders. We just read them. He warned them not to rely on their religiosity or their credentials or their ancestors. We should not gloss over these words. Easy to, well, that's those guys. No, we're not so different from them. His words to the religious leaders presage what Paul had to say in Romans 9, which is, the true Israel are not those who are descended from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob genetically, but by faith. No one gets into the kingdom by their pedigree. Being born into a Christian family doesn't make us a Christian. But hear this, John's words, even to those people, were not a condemnation. They were a rebuke. They were a rebuke with an invitation to repent and to find life in Christ. It's the same rebuke that comes to us when our hearts turn away. The Lord's rebuke is his mercy in our lives. If the Lord does not challenge us, convict us, we, we, we wander more than we might. The next slide, Lynn, slide three. Well, John went on to differentiate his baptism in water from the baptism of Jesus that was to come. John baptized in water as a sign of repentance from the world, coming out of the world and into allegiance to God the King. But Jesus, Jesus will make our repentance possible by baptizing us in the Holy Spirit and in fire. Now that first item, baptism in the Holy Spirit, sounds sort of mysterious. The second one sounds downright awful. I'm not really interested in that. I like being baptized in the water. I did that. You might have. I, you know, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, that's good. I, you know, if we just leave that third one out, cool. Well, what are those Jesus baptisms? Baptism in the Holy Spirit is baptism into life. It's the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ in us that, who empowers us to live as citizens of the kingdom. That is how we actually live into our repentance. Free subjects of the true king. Apart from him, we can do nothing. The baptism by fire can mean a lot of things. You could probably do a sermon of three on that. But the one I would focus on today is it's a deliverance from our preoccupation with empty, self-serving pursuits. Everyone who's ever experienced some kind of baptism by fire can bear witness to this. It can be really painful. It can be difficult, but it's God's mercy in our lives, exposing us, freeing us from things that distract us, things that we have built in our minds and hearts that we don't even know about as the Holy Spirit begins to reveal things that the Lord can burn away. It may be difficult, but it's always freeing. There's a story in uh, C.S. Lewis, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, that illustrates this without actual flames. Um, and how many of you have read The Voyage of the Dawn Treader? So, a bunch of people. And those of you who haven't, what do they teach people in these schools these days? <laughs> That's actually the line from uh, one of the characters in uh, those series. So, there's a, there's a kid named Eustace. He's, he's a very unpleasant individual. And his unpleasantness 
results in him becoming a dragon. His outward appearance now mirrors the condition of his heart. And um, the only way for him to have his dragonness removed is for Aslan, who is the Lord, to take his claws, he's a lion, and peel the skin off the dragon, which he does layer by layer. It's a... um, it's not fun for Eustace, but it sets him free. Well, that is that is what I think for this morning we can take away from the idea of baptism by fire. There is a freedom that comes when stuff gets pulled away from us that keeps us from following the Lord. Well, <clears throat> what do we want to take away from this? What does it have to do with our lives? Each of us as I said a minute ago, was made for something much larger than ourselves, something that's been going on in God since the dawn, since before the dawn of time. It's been in his mind. And that something is his kingdom. This is not a literary device. It's uh, It's not sort of a euphemism or a sort of imaginary thing. It's an actual place. We're so familiar with what it means to be on the earth. We can wave our feet on the ground. We can grab stuff. We can talk to people. We can eat. We can drink. We get it. The the kingdom of heaven is just as real as all of that. It is just as real as all of that. And there's a time coming, you can read it in Revelation, when those two kingdoms will finally come together completely. But it's a real place. And like every kingdom, it has a king and it drives its kingdom nests from that king. Well, our, our, our predisposition, as we've said, is to not to give our allegiance to that king. And that keeps us out of the kingdom. So John declares the arrival of the kingdom because the, he knows the king has arrived and he calls us to that kingdom. Now, the king of the world has, it's, has had many temporary kings And it'll have a whole bunch more, kings and other rulers. In the story we're looking at, as Joel talked to us about, the king at the time was Herod, Herod the Great. Also, there was the emperor in Rome. But there's also an angelic king of the kingdom of the world. Unlike Jesus, who is the light and life of all who believe in him, the angelic king of the kingdom of the world is the prince of darkness and the bringer of death. And John is calling us to turn from the empty kingdom of darkness and death to the bountiful kingdom of light and life, the kingdom of heaven. Now, we can read in Colossians, and it is a fact. We have been delivered from that domain of darkness. That's history. But it's something for you and I to... It's a daily exercise to remember that and to claim it and to live into it and to turn, keep turning, keep coming back. It's not like getting saved every day. It's like it's reorienting my mind to the one who is life. And that's Christ. Well, what can this repentance look like in your life? How can you and I be intentional about seeking the kingdom? I've told the occasional story from time to time about uh, Linda's in my life in a community of believers back in the 70s uh, where we met in California. 
the seven years that I lived there are like a cultural black hole for me in my, my memory. Uh, when people talk about music and movies and all this kind of stuff, uh, I have memories before 1974 and memories after 1981. There's this big chunk that's in. Now, there was no prohibition in this community of believers against watching movies, listening to music. Actually, we heard plenty of music because we, we, we would meet in these, we met in homes and we'd be singing. And so the places next door to us would put giant speakers in the window and blast music at us to try to over, uh, outdo us. Um, but we were like Tom Brady. That only made us sing louder. Uh, we had tons of fun with each other, and I, I, I don't, but I, I really, in those seven years, I hardly remember watching TV or seeing a movie or listening to music, and I didn't miss it, and I hardly ever talk about this because it sounds weird. It sounds like you're in some weird cult, and they don't let you watch TV. What's wrong with those people? I'm telling you, the life that we had together, together in Christ was so rich that I, I just, I didn't think about that stuff, and I didn't miss it. Um, now, I don't share that as though... That's a road you ought to take. I'm telling you, I did not set out to abstain from anything. That did not. That was not in my head. Frankly, it's not my wiring. Um, But my loss of attention and interest in those things was a result of having my attention grabbed by the Lord and his people. I speak from experience. As we seek the Lord and his kingdom, our dependence on those things can fall away. There's a song. We've sung this many times. Many of you have probably sung this throughout your life. Turn your eyes on Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth. Somebody finish it. They'll grow strangely dim. Do you believe that? I know. You like to sing it. It's a pretty little tune. It's true. Well, how might we actively and intentionally seek the kingdom? Slide four. Here's three simple thoughts. Attend to your own relationship with the Lord, with Christ the King. Attend to your brothers and sisters in Christ, your fellow subjects of the King. And attend to those who are still trapped in the kingdom of darkness. Let me address each of those briefly. I was talking to a friend recently. This is about attending to our own relationship with Christ the King. And this friend said to me, in the morning, I get up and I give my heart to the Lord and it changes my day. It doesn't change my circumstances, but it gives me a clean and trusting heart in the midst of my circumstances. I always ask the Lord for the outcomes that I want in the day. I cast my cares on him, but I ask for his will and not mine. And whether or not the way things go this way My most important prayer is, Lord, be the king of my heart. In that sense, he said, being a Christian is super simple. It's remembering that the spirit of Christ lives in us and to consciously ask him to be king of our hearts every day. I have another friend. I know this because I travel with him from time to time. We'll share a hotel room. First thing he does in the morning when he wakes up, he picks up his phone. He's got a little phone app. And he sees the Bible verse of the day, puts the phone back down, and he just lies there and he gives that verse back to the Lord and gives his heart to the Lord. That's that's his little pattern. That's not something, it's not like that's what you need to do, but that's how, that's what he is. Personally, I usually start my day quite unready and not really wanting 
to be with the Lord. I mean, there's some element of me that wants to, but I just wake up. I usually wake up tired and grumpy. I just need to just go be by myself. And, uh, but you know what? I sit down. I've done this so many times. I'm telling you, I'm bringing nothing to the party except a little tiny mustard seed size, something or other that says, well, this is probably a good idea. Let's try this. And Lord, you know my heart. You know my heart better than I do. Please help me. Help me to pray. Help me to bring my heart to you. Help, Lord, I'm relying on you to do the whole deal here. Sometimes I will pray through the Lord's Prayer. I don't actually ever recite the Lord's Prayer, but I'll pray through the things that are in the Lord's Prayer, and that will turn my heart. Other times I sit down. I have this list of people that I pray for, marriages, family members, people who are sick, people who need Jesus. And I'll just sit down and I'll say, Lord, I'm coming to you by faith. Even though I don't feel like my heart's engaged at all, I want to bring these people to you. And I will pray through those. And the Lord shows up. I am here to bear witness to you. And you know this too. I know you already know this. You don't have to be in any kind of good shape to come to the Lord, to come into his presence. You don't have to be in good shape in your heart or your mind or your body to come into his presence because he is king and he is good. He loves you. He is for you. He is on your side. And he wants to bring you into fresh fellowship with himself. He does. You can rely on him. You don't have to count on your own efforts or your own ability to get there. You just have to show up. If we come with the slightest inclination toward him, the Lord is just waiting. Well, how might we attend to our brothers and sisters? I said earlier, we are all saved out of those of us who have turned to Jesus, have been saved out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of Christ. But the darkness still assails us. And you know this too. We need each other to stand together in prayer and encouragement and exhortation. Don't be afraid to talk to each other about the things of the Lord. Don't be afraid and or embarrassed by Jesus. Don't. Don't be deceived into thinking that talking about religious things is silly or pointless. Talking about the things of the Lord is life-giving. I'm willing to bet that you know from experience that there are very few things in this world, very few experiences that are more powerful than you hearing about the life of the Lord in another person. Someone else's experience of how the Lord came in to the situation and did something in their heart or in their circumstances, those things move us. We love those. Listen to each other, worship together, pray for each other and pray for the Lord's purposes and for the world together. By the way, we heard from Shauna. And, and we heard last week from Jordan, and we're going to hear from some other people. Some, a couple of really practical contexts for doing that are triads and community groups. They're not the be-all, end-all. Triads and community groups will not save your life. Jesus saves your life. But he has given us community and called us into it because that's where our life is built up and strengthened. It's a great place to build the simple habit of seeking the kingdom together. By the way, it doesn't have to be something organized either. Just dinners and ad hoc get-togethers are great for pursuing and sharing the Lord. The last thing is, how about the folks who are trapped in the kingdom of darkness? Now, 
the first thing I think of when I say this is that that turn of phrase might be off-putting to some. Well, I don't, I don't want to think about that. I don't want to think about my friend as trapped in the kingdom of darkness or even worse, unsaved. You know, we, we kind of turned away from that sort of religious language in some ways. I, think about yourself. When you were apart from Christ, Paul tells us, you were dead in your sins. You were separated from the kingdom. You were separated from the citizenship of heaven. That's a fact. We were dead in sin and under the rule of darkness. Regarding others this way is not to judge them. It is to have compassion. It is to grieve and long for their redemption. They're being brought into the kingdom. Being nice to people, just being nice to a person will not bring that person into the kingdom. The blood of Jesus brings us into the kingdom and, and, and seeing him and giving our allegiance to him does that. I'll tell you, I worry sometimes that I don't think this way myself. I really don't. And you know why? I don't think that I really understand how dire my circumstances were apart from Jesus. My life was okay. My life is still okay. I, I pray, I pray that the, that the Lord will teach us all how dire our own situation was before he redeemed us, that he will keep teaching me because that will allow me to see others with the eyes of Jesus, with compassion and longing. He wants to call them into his kingdom and we're the ones he has put on the earth to do that, to invite them into relationship with the one true king. Well, whether you're attending to the relationship that you have with the Lord or you're attending to your brothers and sisters or you are attending to those who are not yet in the kingdom, try to do some of these things every day and do it together. As we prepare to... um, Come to the Lord's table. Will some members of the LT please come and hand out some cups? That would be helpful. Thank you, Shauna. Jordan's getting up to do music. Shauna, are you coming? (laughs) Oh, Joel's there. I'm sorry. I didn't, I don't have any eyes on that side of my head. Thank you, sir. As we come to this, um, the table, the Lord's table this morning, let's think back to John's call to all of us. Think back even to his rebuke of the religious leaders. His rebuke and his general call were stern, but they were not a condemnation. He was issuing an invitation to repentance and the life. Frankly, this is a daily call. I need this. Call. I need to hear this call every day in my life. Again, I don't have to. I'm not dealing with my eternal condition. I'm dealing with my daily condition, and my daily condition is that my mind and heart wanders. We sing a song about that too. There was a time when we first answered this call, and that matters, but bringing our hearts back into alignment 
with the king is something we need to do every day. But we are not condemned. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of the spirit of death, the law of sin and death. We were washed once for all time by the blood of Christ. And his invitation, therefore, John's invitation, are not an invitation to self-abasement or working really hard to try to make yourself okay for God. They're just an encouragement to examine your heart and let the Lord examine your heart and do the merciful and hard work of (laughs) dealing with the stuff that frankly needs to get burned away so that we can enjoy the Lord more. Now listen, uh, they say Rome was not built in a day. If, If each of us had to have all the stuff in our heart completely sorted out by the Lord in order to come to this table, we would never come. I would never come. I'm a long way from having everything in my heart sorted out. There are things in my heart I don't even know about. It's my job to just say, Lord, be king of my heart. Keep working in my heart. Give give your heart to him today. Whatever Whatever that might mean for you right now, just today. Confess your sins. Repent of your allegiance to the wrong kingdom and the wrong king. And come to this table with joy. With joy. Let's take a minute just to talk to the Lord personally. Let's open our cups, take out the wafer. I'm reading from 1 Corinthians 11. On the night that the Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this to remember me. Let's eat the bread together. In the same way, he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it to remember me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's drink the cup together. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we ask that we may be filled with the knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so we can walk in a manner worthy of you, fully pleasing to you, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to your glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. And we give thanks to you, Father, You have qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints and light. You have delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of your beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. All praise and glory to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.